You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Yes, welcome into Action Movie Rewind, where we do deep dives into some of the most prominent action movies of all time. This is the reboot of Action Movie Rewind. We did these for probably 50 different episodes that you could mostly find in just the Mackie and Jed podcast feeds on Fridays, which is where we still post it uh, Fridays or Saturdays. But uh, we're also archiving these on the Scorn Earth YouTube channel, so you can binge them this time around with a slightly different format. So there's some of these we've done before. Some of these maybe Judd and I did with Jonathan and Rami, and some of these are Declan's first viewing. And we're pretty sure that this is the first time Declan has seen Hard to Kill. This is true. From 1990. I had two different siblings. Uh, speaking of voicemails, when we talked about that like last week, I had two different siblings call me during the course of watching this film, and I had to like pause it. And they were like lengthy conversations, too. My brother called one to talk for 20 minutes. My sister called. She wanted to talk for 20 minutes. And each time they were like, oh, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, I'm watching Hard to Kill with Steven Seagal. And they both said, why? And I explained to them, <laughs> like, well, it's for, it's for the pod. He's like, oh, okay. Like, you're not watching that just, you know, for S and Giggles, are you? And it's like, not uh, necessarily. I do. Yeah, I, I do, do as well. Yeah. I never, I've, I've, I've never watched this movie about that. 40 times for S and Giggles, I think. <laughs> so, all right, let's get into this here. We'll start with the description of this movie. When police detective Mason Storm, played by Steven Seagal, undercovers ties among corrupt cops, the mob and charismatic politician, Senator Vernon Trent, a hit is ordered on Seagal's family, Mason Storm's family. During the attack, Storm's wife is killed and the cop himself is severely injured. After waking up from a years-long coma, I believe it was seven years, Mason Storm, aided by gorgeous nurse Andy Stewart, played by Kelly LeBrock, slowly gets back on his feet and plots revenge against those who wronged him, particularly the duplicitous Senator Trent. This movie inexplicably generated only a 36% positive review on Rotten Tomatoes. Bunch of crap there. there was no critics' consensus, unfortunately. I loved it. $11.5 million budget turned into $59 million at the box office. And uh, it starred Steven Seagal, Kelly LeBrock, and a bunch of other randos that have been in some movies before. So, uh, boys, let's... Um, I do have some production notes, but I think they can be kind of worked into into our statements. So let's just... We'll start with... I kind of want to start with Declan here, because he's the only one that's never seen this. So, Declan, why don't you deliver the first statement here? All right. Start with this one. The statement is... This might be the most uninspiring and laughable rehab I have ever seen filmed in any type of cinema. (laughs) Laughable antics. Chopping the air. Hitting wood. The dude who is grieving his wife just has a a time with with what's-her-name in in the dojo. Uh, all All this rehab that he is doing is one of the funniest things I have ever seen filmed in my entire life. A man of his size... Trying to do these things like being a karate star, basically, is hysterical. It's comedy. 
It's one of the. It, it's not believable, but it's also so funny. I was entertained by it because it was he just does hilarious. have an actual mixed martial arts. He has a martial arts yeah. background. Actually, that's the and he's like throwing hands in the air and. There's a lot of YouTube videos out there of how how he runs very weirdly. He's yeah. he has a very awkward run and he has these sort of I love his, he has these little weird hand and arm motions. Uh but yeah, this is one of the most uninspiring and laughable rehab performances I have ever seen. Like mm. uh, as as a guy in, in classic action movie film lore of like gets down on his feet immediately gets cut down and how does he get back on his like I think of Rocky, right? I think like Rocky 4 he, he he you know, he he rises back up and he's training in Russia and all this stuff. But with this, this is one of the most laughable things I have ever seen. That's my first statement. <laughs> I'd say that's accurate, and that's what, that's why I love this film so much. Well, he just he also just has weird mannerisms across yeah. the board. He there's that one scene where he kind of trains himself back, and he's got the super tight jeans on, and he's walking in a park outside with O'Malley, and he's walking with his arms folded. I love O'Malley. Who walks with their arms folded? Do you guys Do you ever? You, like no. you stand or sit with your arms folded. Right. Would, you, would you ever get up and walk around with your arms folded? Only when I'm pacing. Only if like I'm. I think my... if you want to show the guns off, right? Yeah. But he had a, he had a leather jacket on, didn't he? Yeah. I don't know. I think he I, he's he's a weird. What his being weird is what makes these films so fun to watch. He, is, he also whispers a lot when he talks, which is just kind of funny. Once once you realize that, it's hard to unhear. Yeah. I'm gonna take you to the bank, Senator. Oh God. The blood bank. <laughs> All the lines. <laughs> so, all right. Yeah, I think uh, Declan's probably accurate. Judd? This is going to be a bold opening statement for me. This is my favorite Seagal film. Like, there is a, there's, there's a catalog. Make no mistake. There is a catalog, and there are candidates. But this is my favorite Seagal film because everything about this film, which I believe was his second, um, in air quotes, hit, everything about this screams the greatest of Steven Seagal. He even allows himself, and I think this is the only film that he was starred in that he allowed this. He allows himself to come close to death. He narrowly escapes. Um, it took a shotgun blast from yes. point blank range, and, by the way. And was basically in a coma for seven years. He also, he also makes sure that there's the scene right before he comes out of the coma where Kelly LeBrock's character lifts up the sheets and looks below the sheets and says, I hope he wakes up like everything about this screamed Seagal at the most vain at the most, you know, I'm Seagal. I am. I am unbeatable. Look, this is just like if you had to in in 100 years, if somebody said, who is Seagal and like encapsulated for me in a film? I'd show him this film. Yeah, he. I agree. This this film is a microcosm for Steven Seagal in in real life. He is one of yes. the most, according to accounts, and I have a, I have an article here from FightState.com that's entitled "The Most Cringeworthy Things About Steven Seagal That He Doesn't Want You to Know," nice. and there's like ten of them. Nice. He is the most narcissistic, yeah, unrealistic, horrible person. It sounds like one of the items in here is his. It's a. It's his IMDb bio. So let's start with something in his own words, the article says. The following is an excerpt from the bio on Seagal's IMDb page. And just so we're clear, actors and their agents have full control over this information. It's not a rabid fan that puts up the bio on IMDb. It's the actual agency. So it's copywritten by Steven Seagal and his agency. Mm -hmm. 
And the IMDb bio says, Steven Seagal is a striking and somewhat boyishly handsome-looking, often with a ponytail, and usually impeccably dressed action star. Impeccably <laughs> dressed. I love that. Boyish-looking? Yes. Somewhat. No, not fully boyish. Okay. A somewhat boyish-looking action star. Oh, my star. God. Yeah, he just, like... The other thing that to add to your point, I can't remember outside of him being in the coma here at the beginning of this movie. Yep. For sure in this movie, and I think in most of his movies, he doesn't allow anyone to get any offense in. Forget right. about coming near death. Right. When he wakes up from the coma, I was pretty I was keeping track pretty closely. I don't think any of the other people he encountered, and a lot of them had guns and knives and they were in packs. It wasn't just like one-on-one encounters. Yep. I don't think any of them got offense in. Yeah. I don't think anyone punched him. I don't think it certainly no one shot him afterwards. I mean, he's staring down the barrel of a shotgun in a liquor store and he's just like, actually, this is going to take us into my next statement, which is that Steven Seagal acts very confidently in situations that should be very unsettling throughout this movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. You're in a liquor store and four guys barge in all fully armed with either guns or knives. One of them is holding a shotgun. And at no point did he even like have the most even in movies like if it's Arnold Schwarzenegger or Sylvester Stallone, they're going to like hide behind a shelf while they collect their thoughts like, oh, my God, I'm picking up some champagne for my wife. And this guy comes in with a shotgun. Seagal just walks right up to the guy, grabs the shotgun out of his hand, trash talks him the whole time. (laughs) You know, the guy who uh, then he then he tosses the gun aside. The other guy has a knife up. Right. And he just I don't know. It's. I feel like if they let the opposing, like the bad guys, get a little more offense in, then his credibility would go up as an action star. But why is also whatever. that first guy in the liquor store with the, with the shotgun? Why is he wearing a hairnet? Did you guys notice he's wearing a hairnet? No, is he? Yes. And I was like, does <laughs> he one, think the bad guy? Th- th- yeah. Does he think his hair is going to fall out? So like DNA, like they're going to track him that way. He literally, I had to pause Could it, be. and I was like, the dudes, and he's the only one too. There's like six of you know those henchmen in the liquor store. He's the only one wearing a hairnet, and I can't for the life of me figure out why. Uh, I don't know. I'd have to go back and great production. Something though. I have not observed. I love that scene too. That is a great scene. Well, he just he behaves so oddly from the moment he walks in. So he walks into the liquor store with his weird tight jeans and his leather jacket, and he asks. He goes. So it's is it his first time in a liquor store? He asks where the champagne is. The champagne. Well, this liquor store can't be that big. It's in a strip mall for one. So you can't you can't find the cooler where the champagne is, and then he very oddly asks the guy working behind the counter, "Hey, you're not watching the Oscars? Why aren't you watching the Oscars?" It's in my statements. Why is he asking him about the Oscars? Every night's a freak show in here. (laughs) It's just it's just awesome. It's so bad, it's great. All right, back to Declan. All right, uh, my next statement is: There is not a chance in hell that Steven Seagal is a man of faith. So in the scene, he goes back home to his son and he does a little prayer, right? He does the prayer. There is no way that this character is a a man of God. It's of of all the phoniest scenes in this film. This is the phoniest. There's no way that this guy like believes in God and says his prayers every night and all this stuff. And I know sometimes parents will do that in movies or something to like keep up a look. But the phoniest thing about his entire character to me is that he is a man of faith. There is no way a guy like this 
who is murdering people with his bare hands and is like no has no he's problem sleeping with it. It's all self defense. I don't no. know, man. He's a cop, man. He's protecting the streets. I, I don't want to go down a path of people who are in faith, but I will say that this the phoniest scene of this entire film is him pretending to be a man <laughs> of faith. It makes That's no an sense. Statement, to me. Dex. I That's actually an don't know if he's a man of faith in real life or not, but but the character. No, I, I, think... I mean, more of the character. I don't know if Steven right. Seagal is. I'm saying his character is the fact that like, he tries to play it off like, are you saying your prayer is sunny? And they say, like, my soul to keep and all that stuff. No way that this guy goes to church. There's no way that he is a man of faith in this in this movie. Well, he also, I think, something else to note. So he gets shot in the bedroom encounter. So he sees his wife get shot, probably thinks that she's dead, but then he gets shot pretty immediately after and just goes into a coma, comatose state. And then probably figures his, because he thought his son had died, I'm sure, too, and then O'Malley tells him, right? Well, he didn't even really ask about his wife at any point after he woke up. He was just, oh, who's this? Who's this hot piece yep. of ace? This nurse, right? Yep. Yes. And then, and then they're hooking up and stuff. So there was not even unless now that he looked at a couple pictures or he flashed back a couple times in his mind to their relationship, but he didn't have any questions about is she still alive by chance or you know? He avenged we... her death though. He avenged her death eventually. This one's from my wife. F you yeah. and die. I'm guessing God. that even if she hadn't died, if he had met Kelly LeBrock in a different setting at some point during the movie, he would have left his wife for Kelly LeBrock. That's the type of guy Mason Storm, I think, is, which is probably playing into Declan's point. If I'm not mistaken, those two got married in real life as well, right? Kelly believe, LeBrock? Yes, I believe Seagal and LeBrock were, were then were then married shortly after that film. I think they're divorced. I think they've been divorced for a long time now. But yeah, I'm pretty sure that, that she became Mrs. Steven Seagal. She was in Weird Science too. She had a nice mm-hmm. little nice little run there. She had a good run. Okay, he was wow. He was married to Kelly LeBrock from 1987 to 1996. Okay. So Kelly LeBrock. So this movie came out in 1990. So they had been married for three years. Oh, okay. So they when this movie came out, interesting. So he, so she, so she on set got to watch him grab some ass from his, from his wife at the beginning of the movie. (laughs) It's all in in the name of the craft, Phil. It's all in the name of the craft for Steven Seagal. It's hilarious. So they were married, they were married on set for for three years. And he's, uh, he's got a different wife in the movie and he's, she gets the last laugh. He got a couple nice grabs in there too, before she got shot. Couple big couple. handfuls. Yeah, yeah, you know why? Because yeah. he wrote the film probably and said, I'm going to do this. I... <laughs> oh, man. All right, back to back to Judd. All right. My statement is a top five chase scene. Now, we're used to chases being in cars, right? Great chases in cars. French Connection. Go down the entire list. Oh, that's a good one. But Mason Storm in the hospital bed, unable to walk yet, and being pursued by his would-be killers, um, basically takes a broom handle and makes his way through yeah. the hospital to escape until Kelly LeBrock's nurse character helps him. It is an unbelievable chase scene orchestrated on wheels in a gurney. That's my statement. It is very exciting. I think my biggest nitpick from that whole scene, so... The doctor guy comes in, or the, the the guy pretending to be a doctor who's part of Senator Trent's posse of gangbangers and killers or whatever, right? So he, he shows up. He somehow, like, finds a doctor's outfit and a badge and stuff, and he immediately begins exhibiting red flag weird behavior by giving a flower. Like, wouldn't you want to be laying as low as possible? You'd think so. And instead, he, he gives a flower <laughs> to Kelly LeBrock. 
with a cheesy smile. And right away, that next to a security guard or a cop, by the way, and immediately the guy was like, that's weird. I'm going to follow this guy. Right. So he has no regard, and he's bouncing around the hallways with no mask on or anything. So, like, there's, I would presume it's a hospital. There's probably security cameras everywhere right. that saw him shoot and kill an orderly and a cop in the hallway. So this guy has shown his face to multiple people that are still alive to the cameras, <laughs> posing as a as a as a, a doctor, <laughs> and then all of a sudden he's just at a massive public speaking engagement a few years later for Senator Trent. So he murders two people in cold blood, probably on camera, shows never his face caught. to a couple other people, never gets caught, and then uh-huh. just is walking around at these public events yep. with Senator Trent. Oh, God. So, all right. I guess. All right. Speaking of th- that hospital scene, my next statement is Kelly LeBrock's character is very creepy. So, Judd, you already alluded to one thing where she lifts up the, the blanket when he's in a coma looking at his man parts and it's like, hmm. Hopefully this guy wakes up sometime, yep. of course, right? Yep. So she's, she does that whole weird thing. She brings Mason Storm a kitten at one point when he's still in a coma and says, and I, and I should be careful here because this is a family-friendly show, that, uh, hey, would you like some? Oh, yeah. And she uses the word to describe a kitten. Yep. She spends years, presumably, obsessing over his comatose body and weird goatee that she shaved for him when he was in a coma, we found yep. out later. And then she accompanies him on a revenge journey without even really knowing who he is. Yeah, and just quits her job. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't go back to work. I mean, if that doesn't scream, if that doesn't scream, stalker. Hey, you're supposed to be at work at two thirty p.m. on Friday. What happened? Just, uh, just a lot of creepiness there. A lot of, a lot of behaviors that I would be concerned about later in the relationship. More red flags. Kelly LeBrock, yeah. This film was filled with people that weren't doing their jobs in a ethical manner. Oh. Uh, I'll, I'll go with this one for now. Uh, why is Steven Seagal's character so obsessed with the Oscars in this movie? Like, what, 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 what is it about the? Uh, you're not watching the Oscars? Like, what are you doing? You're not watching? Like, come on, why, why, why aren't you watching the Oscars? And he comes back home to his wife. Why aren't you watching the Oscars? He's obsessed <laughs> with the Oscars for no reason. Like I was, I was waiting for some type of payoff of of why he's excited to watch the Oscars, and 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 he asks the question like four or five times in the first twenty minutes of the film. Why aren't you watching the Oscars? I, I want to know why he's here. so obsessed with it. Steven Seagal. I don't think he was ever. I don't think he ever came close to being no. nominated. Was he offended or something? That, that's probably why. I mean, it could have been just a joke too, which would be weird for him because I don't think he's like a jokester. Certainly doesn't come off as that. No, but I think it was supposed to be like probably an inside joke. Okay, yes, I'm, I'm, it I'm, is weird. I'm scrolling through more support. of these uh, cringeworthy things about Steven Seagal. Seems like a, yep. a good time yeah. to throw another one of these in here. So he was quoted. There was a feature piece in Vanity Fair at some point, and it reads like this: One day, an executive walked into Steven Seagal's trailer and found Hollywood's reigning manly man weeping. Okay. And they asked, "Why? Are, what's wrong? Why are you weeping? And Seagal said, oh, I'm reading this script. It's the most incredible script I've ever read. And the executive said, that's fantastic. Who wrote the script? And Seagal says, I did. Yes, that's Seagal. <laughs> that's the Seagal we all know and love. Yes, I did. Who Who was the? Who came out a couple of years back and said it, it was an SNL cast 
member at some point and said Seagal was easily the biggest jackass, like they hated him. <laughs> okay, here's another one along those lines. A young Jenny McCarthy was auditioning for a role in a Seagal film. <laughs> he asked her to take off her top. Oh, God. When she saw the script, she realized that the film didn't call for any nudity and called Steven Seagal out on it. He responded that the film involved off-camera nudity. Oh, <laughs> yep. He, yes. yes, he's a major creep. Okay, uh, a quote from Juliana Margulies, who has worked with Steven Seagal. His trailer is around the corner from mine on the Warner Brothers lot, and I was walking by recently, and he said, Margulies, come over here and show me some respect. He's not someone I keep in touch with, she said. It's weird. Super weird. So his he hosted SNL on April twentieth of ninety one. Oh it was God. so bad that Lorne Michaels pulled it from rotation of SNL reruns. Yeah, think Ugh. about. I actually that. would love to watch that. Probably so find it online somewhere. Yeah. It's probably it, or at least I'm, clips are on uh, YouTube. I bet. All right, here's here's one more here. Uh, yep. He loves to take credit for other people's accomplishments. Apparently. If there's one thing Seagal loves, it's to smugly talk about how great he is. If there's two things he loves, the other one is to take credit for things that other people have accomplished. Most notably was after Anderson Silva knocked out uh, Vitor Belfort with that legendary front kick, and Steven started going on about how he taught that kick to Anderson Silva. Tell us more about how you taught one of the most dangerous strikers in the world how to kick. Quote from Seagal. Right before he walked out, I said, you know, stay away from him for the first two or three minutes. Just kind of get him frustrated. Then fake low and come high and do that kick that I've been teaching you and kick him in the head. <laughs> what? <laughs> the guys I'm training in the UFC, he said, some of them have got their world champion belts because of they've attributed that to me <laughs> teaching them. So I still know a thing or two. <laughs> oh, God. It's hilarious. Oh, I think Just we're back to Judd freak. here. No, I think it's... Uh, Is it back to me? I thought, was, I thought it was you, Phil. Okay, I'll jump in here. I went last, so... Okay, my next statement is, I don't understand how the audio on the stakeout footage came out so perfectly. So, if you remember, yeah. you know, the first part of the movie, he's it's this dark dock area, It's there's very little light, and Steven Seagal is... He's got to be 50 yards away. He's certainly not close, right? Because the senator at one point kind of like looks off in the distance. So he's got to be 40 to 50 yards away minimum. And he's got this like these headphones and he's got the camera. And he's also like narrating what's happening while he's trying to. So these guys aren't mic'd up or anything. Does he have a boom mic stretched out over there? And so he's filming this footage from afar, right? It's dark. It's grainy. Oh, and he's God. got perfect audio as if there's a microphone placed in the middle of these four or five guys. Take it to the bank, right? And this this footage is all playing all over the TV news and everything. Uh, so I guess I don't really understand how how the audio could come out so perfectly on that captured footage. But oh, maybe Declan, the audio producer, can help us here. Yeah, I, that, I don't know how that would work unless you had a boom mic or and it's 1992 by the way like 2022 okay we can probably make that work because it's advanced technology but i have no idea audio wise how that would have worked in 1990 no chance mm. we don't ask Amazing. we don't ask those questions that, that's not that's not important uh my next statement is if if these like bad guys wanted to kill steven seagal why did you keep him in a coma for seven years like why 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 did you keep him 
in this medical-induced coma, or why didn't you just someone go to the hospital and pull the plug? Like, why was he kept alive for seven they years? Didn't they didn't know he was dead. They didn't they know he was alive. They, they, thought, okay. he, they thought he was dead, Yeah, which, which is why, they, why at, at the start, the cop says, keep this quiet. No one can know. Yeah, but there were still a bunch of moles in the actual. So when, when they call over and they ask for O'Malley, but O'Malley has been transferred to a different department, they're like, oh, interesting. Okay, so Mason Storm's still alive. Let's and, go tell and is it? Is it just with his family dead, though? Like, is it just the hospital's decision to keep him alive for seven years? Like, who who is the people at the at the order of the O'Malley police commissioner? probably. got it. Because that's where I just I didn't understand it. Seven years. I I think we talked about this on Purple Daily in our four question Friday, like last week. If I'm in a coma for like more than a month, like just pull the plug. Like, I I don't I don't understand why anyone would want to be in a coma for that long. But he's also just like sitting in a pretty open area of a hospital. And yeah. he's, they just like took his name out and they called him John Doe number four or whatever, whatever it was. John Doe. I don't know. All right, Judge. You guys ask so many questions. I mean, come on. We're this curious. Like perfect, perfect film. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Um, the most disappointing kill. So this film, hundreds of kills, right, Phil? It's got to be hundreds of kills. I don't know like if we it's got people dying. Of kills. It feels like we have pe- people. There's probably twenty dying kills in this movie. Right That's probably a couple dozen. Yeah. Well, in, in the scene where they're in Let's the house up. where he's doing his rehab, it feels like they kill twenty people alone in that one. But I might be wrong. Well, just give me a number. What do you What do you think the official number is? Hard, um, hard to kill. I think it's number uh, of. I think kills. it's probably a 50, 50 something. I'll take the under on that. I bet it's under fifty. Oh, do they not have this on that website? Yeah, you yeah, used, used to have that one up. Hard to kill has to be on there. My God, if you don't have I'll, a, I'll find it before the end here. Okay, so, so my statement is a disappointing kill. So in the, in the uh, senator's mansion at the end, you know, he kills a bunch of guys that, that were in, obviously, on him being shot and his wife being killed. And there's one in particular that I, I quibble with. Captain Holland, which is the guy with his tie, who sees one of the great messages of all time, which is the anticipation of death is worse than death itself. He is strangled with his tie, at which Seagal says a great line also, which is, now you're a good cop. But that kill is so, like, he barely pulls the tie to strangle him, and he falls down dead. There's no way he's dead. Like, I mean, get get me. If you're gonna kill him, kill him. That's a lazy kill. And Seagal, look, he's got he's got a lot of flaws. But the one thing I feel that he's done well throughout throughout his theatric career is we ordinarily see kills that you're like, oh, that guy's dead. He barely pulls the tie and is like, now you're a good cop. I'm like, he's an alive cop. Yeah, he should Jeez. he should he should have spun the guy's head around 360 degrees exactly. or something, you know. But yeah. I mean, is that that much you. to ask for? No, I think I think I'm with you on that. I would have also appreciated if he actually fired the shotgun at Senator Trent's manhood. You know, he oh, missed the he missed the, the shot, and the guy went to the yeah. oh, to prison or whatever. Oh, I missed. Yeah, no, he should have he should have done it. Uh, real quick here, you will. This will be kind of my last thing. I'm just piggybacking off Judd here. It's not really a statement, but you mentioned anticipation of death is worse than death itself. So I have a few of my favorite quotes from this movie. Oh. That's one of them. Yep. That's for that's for my wife. F you and die. Uh, yep, with a pull, the broken pull cue. Right, you take yeah. it and stuffs it in. 
there's the I think just him coming out of a coma and then whispering within 30 seconds of coming out of a coma, being alert enough to say to Kelly LeBrock, if you don't get me out of this hospital within an hour, we'll both be dead. You're right. Just that's a great one. 30 seconds after waking from a seven year coma, (laughs) he just has the wherewithal to be like, we we must get out of here now. We're both going to be dead. And you got to quit your job. And then, of course, I'm going to take you to the bank, Senator Trent, the blood blood bank. bank. Yep, that was awesome. Absolutely. So, just some great, great quotes in this movie. All right, Declan, anything more from you here? No, I'm. Uh, I have emptied my statement bag out on on this film so far. Okay, Judd, any any more statements from you? Yes. God bless the scene and the the use of the Chuck Mangione tune. After he gets out of the liquor store and he's driving home before he is like, that is one of my favorite cinematic scenes of all time. Dude, I used to, when old Macadac was in a high school band and jazz band, I used to perform Chuck Mangione songs. Just great flugelhorn. How great is that scene, though? He's just like relaxing. (laughs) Mason Storm, off work. Amazing. So uh, we're going to get to the to the ranking portions here of Action Movie Rewind. But uh, this deep dive into Hard to Kill presented in part by our friends at Spiral Light Candles. And they're if very look, proud. Looking for a nice gift idea. Spiral Light Candles, guys. Exactly right. Uh, if you're trying to find a gift for, let's say, mom, your wife, girlfriend, or you know what? Just say you like the great scent of candles. Then Spiral Light are the candles for, for you. Family-owned and operated, so that the shipping is quick. And coming on Monday online, it's going to be the debut of, just in time for football season, the Purple Positivity Candle, which I've got right here, available online on Monday. Just go to SpiralLightCandles.com. That's SpiralLightCandles.com. But again, if you are are trying to find a nice gift or you just like candles, and most importantly, a fantastic scent, the array of candles available, spiralightcandles.com, will absolutely be a winner with you. Also, a shout-out to our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company, where uh, they've been helping businesses maximize their level of success for over 100 years based in Owatonna, Minnesota. They're all about risk management tools and resources. Okay, It's like having a, it's like having a guy like Steven Seagal there to thwart mm. off potential risks that could harm your company. You can find out more at federatedinsurance.com, where it's our business to protect yours. All right, boys. We have two rankings here. Let's start with the definitive villain rating system. We're looking for how iconic they are, how ruthless they are, and how charismatic they are. All of it combined into a 1 through 10 scale rating. And I guess the villain of this movie would be Senator Trent, corrupt Senator Trent. Personally? Judd? Juggs loves him. Juggs loves him. And he's a, I think it's great fun. Unfortunately, he doesn't really meet yeah. the requirements of my, of my expertise when it comes to this. And so I, I must separate Juggs from Judd in this case. And I must give him the rating he deserves from Judd. And that is a four. Like, he's not iconic, unfortunately. He should be, damn it, make him one, but he's not. Um, The other thing, and this is true of Seagal's career, he has a problem with anybody even coming close to, to like, his effect on the film. So Senator Trent becomes just sort of a extra. Like, Mm -hmm. his scenes are fun, but they're they're not plentiful because Seagal always concerned about Seagal himself. So Mm -hmm. he's a four. Yeah, I, I think that's generous. I think it's more of like a two. 
Uh, th- there's nothing about him that's iconic. I-, I guess he's a little ruthless, right? Like he's he's killing people and he kind of rose to power corruptly. But uh, but in general, it- it's nothing that's iconic to me. I, I would put it at a two. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's a four for me, dog. It's a four for me. He's vi- he's not iconic, really. He's although he's I think just because he's the villain in one of the most popular Steven Seagal movies, he becomes a little more iconic. But but he was suppressed because of Seagal's yeah, that's narcissism and yeah, he's star power. He's not very charismatic in this movie. But in terms of ruthlessness, not only is a, is he a stone cold killer, but he's also mean to women. He's and the abusive. hot tub scene is great. Yeah. The we're hot tub scene with the, that gal. Yeah, that we're not going you, to the opera. Put your top yeah. on. Yeah. That, that, that makes you hate him even more, I think, yeah. that scene. So so it's a four for me. That makes it a 3.3, which makes him – it's 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 in the bottom four here, right along with the British car-loving gangster from Gone in 60 Seconds, which yeah. is a 1.3, and the personal demons in Top Gun Maverick, which is a one. Uh, Caster Troy from Face Off, Dom Tretto from The Fast and the Furious, and the aliens from Independence Day are the top three villains that we've reviewed so far. And now we've gotten to the entertainment scale here, just one through 10, the entertainment value of this movie. Uh, I'm going to go with a, cause I like, I stop on this film. If, if it's on, I still think it's great fun. It's probably my fa- favorite Seagal film, but it is Seagal. I'm going to give it a six. I feel like you're hedging there. I'm I feel like you're trying six. to, yeah, I feel like you're, you're doing what the people want you to do, not what you would. You're really giving this. This is one of your favorite movies. And it's you're one of my this favorite Seagal six? films. I mean, I could give it a seven. I can't give it much more. You're I, can't, I, I, I just can't. This movie I hits can't. you emotionally, I feel like. <laughs> no, it does not hit me emotionally. I just find the Seagal catalog to be hilarious. Um, nah, it's a six. Okay. It's a six. I can't. You know what? We've... We have seen films that now surpass this, and some are bad, but they're better at being bad. Uh, yeah, it's now a six. Sorry. Sorry, kids. This is a two out of ten. This is this is a <laughs> horrible movie. I expected the low score. Uh, I, 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 if I was not forced to watch this movie for entertainment value, uh, I would never watch this movie. But... <laughs> Uh, you know, it's got some of the funny, campy action movie stuff, but in general, even though it's a quick film, that's fine. It's one of the, I said, it's one of the la- most laughable rehabs of all time. Uh, so for me, this is a two out of 10. Two. All right. I mean, listen, this movie is never going to be up for any awards, but in terms not of, enter- not, certainly no Oscars. What's in the Oscars? But in terms of how likely am I. To be glued to this movie, if I happen to pass on it, it's a it's a seven for me. Okay, I find this movie fascinating for a million different reasons. Yeah. all of its flaws, all of its quirkiness. It's uh, it's 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 an easy watch. It's only ninety minutes, so it's a seven. But that makes it a five overall between the three of us, making it the second worst action movie we have reviewed in the rebooted edition of this franchise, just ahead of Gone in sixty seconds. And just behind Point Break and Twister in the standings. What changed me when it comes to like trying to put a ranking on this film is Point Break. Like Point Break to me is the is the king of I stop. It's hysterically <laughs> funny, but it's done better. Point Break has changed my thought process on on like the Seagal catalog. Yeah, right okay. or wrong? Because I mean. The Keanu stuff's unbelievable from back then. The Keanu stuff is just so great. 
Yeah, they're both. Uh, cards. Uh, neither one of those guys is going to be is going to be uh, winning any more Oscars. Although I think I mean, John John Wick, I think Keanu's taken his acting skills to a different level in part I because he doesn't speak as yeah. exactly. I think Keanu, somebody finally got to him and said, "Play the part, but don't talk." All right, boys. For our next action movie, I was inspired by Aaron Rodgers' return to Packers camp, dressed as Cameron Poe from Con Air this week. We have to do Con Air now that Aaron Rodgers has brought this movie into the forefront. And Declan, this is one that you've never seen. I've never seen Con Air. No. Oh like my this. god! All right, it's like so it. it's uh, yeah. Con Air is definitely in the 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 public dialogue here over the last week oh, as Buscemi. Aaron Rodgers showed up looking like Nicolas Cage. So I love let's go back to the late nineties and do it. Yeah, Buscemi's in it. Oh, There's also John Malkovich. That's right. Chappelle's Malkovich. in this. Yeah. Malkovich, I'm going to tell you right now. I'm very excited. Unbelievable. Danny Trejo. Yeah. So I think we might have a candidate here for one of the one of the top villains in our action oh, movies God. that we've reviewed so far. So. Absolutely. All right, dude. There it is. Action Movie Rewind, where we do deep dives into some of the best, biggest, most popular action movies in cinematic history. Mackie and Judd. See you guys. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. It's crazy to think that a few weeks ago we were talking about whether or not Tua Tagovailoa should consider retiring after two concussions and worldwide debates on player safety and NFL culpability. Tua has done nothing but go back to work and currently has the Dolphins riding a three-game win streak and one loss behind the division favorite Buffalo Bills. While everyone was yapping about the end of his career, Tua Tagovailoa said he'll decide when it's time. And clearly, he's not ready to hang up the cleats. Hi, this is Chris Howard from the Plugged In with Chris Howard podcast. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting up to the minute scores for every the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including the MLB playoffs, the start of the NHL season, MMA, boxing, and golf. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.